chapter one, which is perspective on globalization and international business. First, let's define what globalization is. We can say that it is the process of interaction and integration between various people, governments, and companies of different nations. We can say that it is a process driven by foreign direct investment as well as the aid in transport and telecommunication. Major characteristics of globalization are firstly it's a shift towards a more integrated and interdependent world economy. For example if you talk about globalization of markets we can see that various companies now sell to broader markets for example Coca-Cola, Sony they sell to different regions of the world and you can talk about globalization of production this is where companies outsource their production to other countries for example Dell it has more than 30 components in its laptops which are outsourced from over 20 different countries. The same goes for sportswear manufacturer Adidas as well as Nike. Another key characteristic that academics argue is that globalization has caused the world to become flat. This is an argument put forth by Thomas Friedman. He says that due to advances in technology and communication, it's essentially made the world flat in the sense people can engage in global interaction with much more ease. Talking about the trends in globalization, we can say that it has led to increased amounts of cross-border trade. It has led to the rise of multinational enterprise, creating globalized markets, as well as increasing competition for jobs. We can also say that globalization has led to the erosion between national cultures and identities, since you're officially removing borders. Furthermore, we can say that it has led to the interaction of supranational organizations such as the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund as well as the World Bank, and the increase of power of said supranational organizations. There have been many academics who have defined trends in globalization. Jones 2004 proposes that globalization occurred in two different waves. In the first wave, which lasted from 1880 to 1929, which is the heel of the Industrial Revolution, and the spread to America in the late 1800s and 1900s. In his second wave of globalization was the time period post-World War II, which is from 1950 onwards, where a lot of new technological and communications development arose. He suggests that the two main driving forces of globalization were the decline in trade and investment, barriers post-World War II, and technological change and significant improvements in communications and ICT, as well as transportation technology. Hill 2010 proposes that there are four main trends that have led uh, to globalization or trends in globalization. The first being changes in world output and world trade. Historically, US controlled world trade in the mid 1900s. However, now it only makes up 20% of world trade. By this, he means that developed countries have significantly reduced their contribution to world trade, whereas developing countries are becoming major players in the game. And by 2020, it is said that BRIC countries will make up 60% of all world economic activity. Next is foreign direct investment. Again, we find that in the 1960s, USA invested 66% of all FDI globally. However, now that number has drastically declined, whereas developing nations have significantly increased. We have different types of companies. By this we mean there has been a significant increase in non-US multinationals from countries like France, Germany, Japan, 
Britain, China, and South Korea. Furthermore, we see an increase in smaller multinationals, also known as mini multinationals, due to the ease of access to the international market, which is facilitated by technologies such as the internet. Change in world order is the fourth trend in globalization, where the political landscape has shifted and allowed businesses to access new locations and optimize production costs in order to maximize profits. For example, we can take China and the Chinese population, which provides a huge opportunity for growth where companies can invest. For example, if you take Tesla building its new production plant in China, next you can see that the fall of communism in Russia led to an increase in trade amongst Eastern European countries. We can also see that Mexico and Latin America have turned into valuable destinations for producing and sourcing resources. The major debates are on jobs and income, labor policies and the environment, shifts in economic power and wealth distribution. To go over these debates one by one, jobs and income, proponents argue that free trade will lead to specialization and thus would reduce costs of producing goods, therefore people would benefit from the cheaper products and economies would grow. Critics argue that globalization brings down wages and living standards in developed countries since jobs will be sent offshore. Number two, we have labor policies and the environment. Critics argue that foreign direct investments would lead to overall improvement in standards. Supporters argue that foreign direct investment encourages companies to raise standards, creating a tie between economic growth and globalization and the decrease in environmental pollution. Whereas critics argue that companies from developed nations will outsource their production to less developed countries and exploit them due to those countries having lax environmental and labor laws. Shifts in economic power. Critics argue that economic power would shift from governments of said countries to supranational organizations such as the IMF, World Trade Organization, EU, etc. However, supporters of globalization argue that power of these organizations is only limited to what their members have been granted. Additionally, they are designed to only promote the collective interests of members and will not gain support for policies that would not help achieve those goals. Finally, we have wealth distribution, where supporters and critics both understand that the income gap has widened. However, supporters recognize or rather attribute this to country policies which hinder economic growth rather than globalization. However, critics say that the benefits of globalization aren't enjoyed equally by everyone. The supporters attribute this to totalitarian regimes, stagnant growth in economies, national debt, and lack of population control. Moving on, does distance matter? What do we mean by this question? Academics who answer yes, such as Gemawut, state that this so-called flattening of the world due to globalization is quite an overstatement and the world is not truly globalized due to various differences that still exist. Gamavert has created a framework called the CAGE framework which identifies cultural, administrative, geographical and economic distances which support the theory that there are distances between countries and the world is not purely globalized. 
Friedman, however, disagrees with this, stating that every nation is part of a global marketplace and the world is homogeneous. Technology does not make distance matter. Supranational organizations such as the WTO also help create a flatter world, as well as he identified 10 flatteners that have led to homogeneity of the world. To go over them quickly are economic liberalization, which was represented by the fall of the Berlin Wall, development of internet protocols, workflow software, open source software, increased use of outsourcing, development of global supply chains, increased use of specialized firms for internal function, also known as insourcing, development of search engines, increase in offshoring, as well as development of wireless, voice over IP and file sharing. Next, we talk about the effects of globalization for a business. We identify that companies should work with the forces of globalization in order to improve global performance. These forces include low barriers to trade and investment. By this we mean that companies should, should see the world as a single market rather than various countries. And they should aim to increase their production locations and their sales locations to create the most optimal situation for their goods and services. Changes in technology. Major advances in communication, information processing and transportation technology have greatly reduced transaction costs and have made it viable for companies to coordinate and control global organizations compared to even a decade ago. Of these developments, the microprocessor has facilitated a large amount of growth since it allows for high-power, low-cost computing. Further, the internet has made it extremely easy to sell to a global market with over 3.5 billion users. Improvements in transportation through the development of faster and more cost-effective means of transportation has allowed people to transport goods from one place to another using less time and less money. Examples for these are the use of containerization, as well as super freighters. And Ecuador turned into the global supplier of roses due to capitalizing on this improvement in transportation. Further, if you look at Gemawat's article he published on Distance Still Matters, you can see that him stating that countries 5,000 miles apart would trade only 20% of the amount they would if they were only a thousand miles apart. He also recognizes that if a country was part of a colony, it is ten times more likely to engage in trade. In his article, he analyzes this company called Star Television in Asia and how they failed to take into account cultural distances, only considered economic factors and therefore failed in Asia. Another example for cultural differences is the company Coca-Cola, where when they introduced their product in Peru, they had to compete with Inca Cola and they did not succeed since they did not take into account cultural differences. He also states that a common currency would increase trade by upwards of 340%, as well as membership in a regional trade bloc would increase trade by 330%. Therefore, he says that countries, that companies, multinational organizations should perform country portfolio analysis before entering foreign markets, and they should also identify cage distances and take those into account before entering markets.